are listening to Tellius Talk, a podcast on being complete in Christ. There's one thing we all have in common, and today's Tellius Talk will be discussing, are you going to die? What does a statement like this mean to you? Does it invoke an emotional response? Or is the thought of death less important than the means? Let's listen in now as our host tackles this difficult topic. Hello, and welcome to Tellius Talk. My name is Wendell Martins, and I am your host. I am so glad you have chosen to join us today. If you haven't already guessed, we have a heavy topic to discuss today. Benjamin Franklin once wrote, In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. We may talk about taxes another day, but today we will be discussing the certainty of death. Here's a question for you. Do you know how you are going to die? Well, I do. A little over a decade ago, I was injured while working in the oil fields in northern Canada, and my lungs dried up. As a result, I suffer from the effects of permanent lung damage, which means my lungs are constantly filling up with fluid. Because of this, at some point, my body will stop being able to rid my lungs of the liquid, and I will suffocate. For now, though, I take a number of different medications to keep my air pathways open, and they manage to keep my lungs functioning, at least for now. I think that knowing this has definitely changed my perspective on life. Romans 14 verse 8 says, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. I find that to be a fantastic promise. There's no point in worrying about what will happen when my life draws to a close, but I do feel drawn to talk about it with others. You see, as James 4.14 says, your life is just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Seems like life is kind of pointless then, doesn't it? But why would God create us if there was no purpose to it? Recently, I was listening to a podcast by Beckett Cook, and he was interviewing Oz Guinness about his book, Signals of Transcendence. And I was struck by some of the stories in his book. Oz Guinness shared how people came to the realization that their life had no purpose. They just couldn't cope with it. An example of one of the stories in his book was that of Malcolm Muggridge, who, after attempting suicide, realized that what he was longing for was home. He was longing for a place of belonging, of grounding. He was longing for a place of purpose. He went on to be a strong voice for moral and ethical issues, interviewing people like the Beatles, Monty Python, and even Mother Teresa. But it was his concerns about the drift of the church into liberalism, permissive morality, and moral chaos, which found its way into many of his writings. In his book, The End of Christendom, Malcolm Muggridge wrote this, Previous civilizations have been overthrown from without by the incursion of barbarian hordes. Christendom has dreamed up its own disillusion in the minds of its own intellectual elite. Our barbarians are home products indoctrinated at the public expense, urged on by the media, systematically stage by stage, dismantling Christendom, depreciating and deprecating all its values. Ralph Lewis, a contributor on Skeptic.com, wrote, 
Atheists do not believe that life is inherently purposeful or meaningful, and following from this, they do not believe that morality is an intrinsic property of the universe. It doesn't take much effort to see this exact belief being lived out all around us. Just consider the month that we have just brought to a close. Our morality has fallen. However, the Westminster Shorter Catechism disagrees with Ralph when it states, Man's chief end, our highest purpose, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. It is worth considering this. A transcendent personal creator made you, and he made the universe around you, and it was all done for the most spectacular end, but it wasn't done for you. It was for his eternal glory and the eternal joy of his people. Let's look at a few passages of scripture. Isaiah 43.7 says this, Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever. Amen. And Psalm 16, verse 11. You will make known to me the way of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Recently, Howard Stern asked Arnold Schwarzenegger, What happens to us when we die? Schwarzenegger replied, Nothing. You're six feet under, and anyone who tells you something else is a liar. What a deluded and pretentious idiot. You've heard what Arnold declared, and now listen to what Jeffrey Dahmer said. If a person doesn't believe there is a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of trying to modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought, anyway. I always believed the theory of evolution is truth, that we all just came from slime. When we died, you know, that was it. There is nothing. So what's the difference between what Arnold Schwarzenegger believes and what Jeffrey Dahmer believed? Well, Jeffrey Dahmer knew he was a sinner. And this seems to be where we are at today. Either there's nothing when we die, or everyone is going to heaven. It's oblivion, or it's a first-class ticket to glory. But no one wants to hear the truth about what happens when they're dead. In a society that replaces truth with subjective reality, have we replaced truth with a lie? It would seem that way. I've often thought about how I will respond to God when I stand before him. Look, I, I know I'm a sinner. I'm guilty of every single sin that I've committed, and I don't deserve an eternity with him. But will I argue with God about my guilt at the judgment seat? Will I try to justify my sins? That's what I hear people say all the time. Somehow they think that they will persuade God to look at their deeds as though they're being weighed on a good versus bad scale. And he's just going to wave them in. Oh, you're good enough, says God, winking at them. But you know, heaven is going to be a lot more Dante and a lot less Gary Larson. When we are there, in the presence of our Creator, we will be laid bare. Our sins will be exposed, and there will be no arguing or declaring we never knew. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, If only every man and woman in the world today realized that he or she had to stand before God in judgment, it would be a very different world. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 7 is a very sobering thought when it says, As the dust returns to the earth, 
the spirit returns to the God who gave it. So I'm sorry, Arnold, but something does happen when we die. The lie is that you think you can escape punishment for your sins. Just because you deny it doesn't mean you won't be tried for each and every one of them. You see, God is recalling us to him once our time is over. To return to James 4.14, yes, life is a vapor, and yet, life is precious. Life has purpose, but this life is short. If we choose to use this time to chase immorality, it seems to me that that is pointless and meaningless. I have to echo the writer of Ecclesiastes who lamented that our foolish gain, our selfish pursuits, are all meaningless. In about a week, my wife and I will celebrate 10 years of marriage, and it's been a great and fulfilling decade. We've had some bumps along the way, sure, but there is one incident that happened in the first year of our marriage that showed me that what we have is special. You see, not long after we were married, one of my best friends died from an overdose, and it got me thinking of my own mortality. In my lifetime, I should have already died five times, you see, when I was a baby, I had a blood disease. I was nearly drowned. I was involved in a bus accident where the bus went off the highway and over quite an embankment. I had a scissor lift fall on me, and then I had the sour gas incident that ruined my lungs. And the question that kept coming back to me when I was thinking about this was, do I have assurance of salvation? Ultimately, do we take the gamble? Do we engage in Pascal's wager on the existence of God? He said that if God exists and I believe in God, I'll go to heaven. And that's infinitely good. If God exists and I don't believe in God, I may go to hell. And that is infinitely bad. But if God does not exist, then whether I believe in God or not, whatever I'd gain or lose would be finite. Romans 6.23 is very blunt when it says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And this only reinforces what Jesus is recorded as saying in John 11.26, Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So do you believe it? Do you believe that you have a purpose, that you were created for something? You are going to die. I'm going to die. There's no escaping it. But what does that mean to you? Is giving glory to God just going to be standing around a white robe singing glory, glory, glory? Or will we be complete? Will we experience the fullness of joy? Will we understand our purpose? And will we be engaged in that purpose for all of eternity? 1 Corinthians 15 verses 51 through 57 say it very eloquently. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on the immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Are you afraid to die? Why? What's to be afraid of? Even if it is your manner of death, what does it matter? This life is just a vapor, 
And eternity is, well, forever. So pursue your purpose, the meaning of life. Embrace the one who authored your life and who freely offers eternal life in all its fullness. There is assurance of salvation in this well-known verse, and we all know it. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Let's pray together. Father God, when we think about death, for many of us it is a scary thought, and yet it is in death that we will live out our purpose. It is in death that we will come to live with you, to glorify you for eternity. I pray that you would put your hand on us and give us peace as we consider what it is that is meant by our death. We pray this in your name. Amen. Next month, we will be starting a two-part series on the gospel. First, the gospel, a countercultural truth, and then gospel, a divisive history. I look forward to sharing it with you, and we will talk again later. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. As you heard, next month, Telly's Talk will start a two-part series on the gospel. Our first episode will reveal the countercultural truth of the gospel. In a time that seems so bent on destroying what we believe, how does the gospel stand alone? Join the conversation we are having on Facebook and Twitter after every podcast. Our book, Six Good Questions, is a great resource for small group discussion. Pick up a copy for yourself and your church through Amazon. As always, it would be good to hear from you. Send us an email at telliestalk at gmail.com. Keep us in your prayers as we prepare our podcast every month. We look forward to sharing with you again.